Hi, I'm Madhvi Romani. And I'm Rena Grobe. And this is Misinformed, the podcast for lazy but smart people. Every week, we'll be discussing a new topic or trend, so you can stay informed the easy way. Serena, what are we talking about this week? So this week, there are a lot of climate-related things happening, but one thing in particular caught my attention. In Munich, a bunch of climate activists were arrested and placed into jail for 30 days with no trial. The justification behind this is basically that they've been arrested before and that there is a worry that they will repeat the same things they have been doing. So to prevent this, the police and government solution is just to stick them in jail. Were they doing the the gluing their hands thing to the road, which is a new and popular sort of tactic with climate activists? None of the articles I read specifically actually mentioned this, but from the photos I saw, they were just blocking the intersection at Odeonsplatz, zwischen Theatinerstrasse, and I think it's still called Leopoldstrasse or Ludwigstrasse. Mm. I have a question about the gluing the hands. Don't they pull their skin off? I don't understand how that works. It hurts. There's a history of protest, this self-immolation kind of protest tactic. You could probably put Gandhi in this with his hunger strikes. At the moment, as you know, COP27 is going on. Just to cover the basics, COP stands for Conference of the Parties under the UNFCCC, which is the 1992 UN Framework Convention on Climate Change. Anyway, that's taking place in Egypt. It's the 27th one, so these meetings have been taking place for almost three decades. And as you know, uh, Allah Abda El Fattah in Egypt, who is a British citizen and a human rights campaigner, is also going on hunger strike there. And then related to climate change, I think the biggest case of self-immolation that we got recently was Win Bruce who was an activist and set himself on fire in front of the Supreme Court last April to protest climate change. And he died because of that. So if you put it into context, yeah, gluing your hands or yourself to walls and roads, I guess, is really, really brave and extreme. But that's sort of, it fits into the history of protest in a way. It's also an extreme situation. So COP27 has been happening for 27 years then. Well, then what a bunch of shit it is if, like, the world is on fire, nothing has happened. Clearly, it doesn't work. Clearly, a bunch of rich politicians flying around the world in private jets and contributing to fossil fuel admissions is not solving the problem, which is shocking, because who saw that coming? Just to give you a summary of how much it doesn't work, Greta Thunberg said that she wasn't going because, in her opinion, it was a chance for the powerful to get away with greenwashing, lying and cheating. As if, to illustrate her point, the main sponsor of COP27 this year was Coca-Cola. Greenpeace has said that Coca-Cola produces 120 billion throwaway plastic bottles a year, which you can't even imagine that number. And 99% of plastics are actually made of fossil fuels. And then in Kenya, a civil society group also pointed out that nearly half of the plastic bottle waste in its country can be traced back to coke. That's a problem. And then obviously all the world elite just flew there. Most, well, a lot of people flew there in private jets and stuff, adding to, again, the problem. And then a cop is also responsible for this very famous thing called the Paris Agreement, 
which everyone keeps on hearing about, but just in case you don't know what it is, it was an agreement made between all these countries to try and keep global warming, the global temperature, rise well below 2 Celsius. 2 Celsius would be totally disastrous, you figured out, so like 1.5 Celsius is kind of what we're aiming for, so we don't have complete, complete, complete catastrophe. And they decided this in 2015. We are not really on the way to meeting that at all. So in order to meet this goal, the countries sort of agreed to these non-binding national targets to cut. And non-binding is key. And then also, if you count up the effect of all these NDCs, or these nationally determined contributions, they're actually inadequate altogether to hold to the Paris temperature target. So last year, they kind of COP met again at Glasgow and they tried to like go back to the Paris Agreement and say, hey, how are we going to do this? And they made new agreements. And even if all of those pledges at Glasgow were met, we would still rise by about 1.8 Celsius above pre-industrial levels, which is pretty bad. And there's nothing to say that these countries are going to fulfill what they're going to say, because they've just got a history of just not fulfilling this stuff. And then like COP 2009 in Copenhagen, there was like this climate finance from public and private sources who were supposed to help cut emissions and help poorer countries to cope with the impacts of extreme weather. And they pledged $100 billion by the year 2020. That target was missed. A report from COP26 last year found that the pledge would not be fulfilled until about 2023 but then again also like their whole big problems about how this is allocated and where the money flows and it mostly goes to middle-income countries uh, for projects that reduce emissions and far far less goes to the poorest countries so there's basically climate injustice and yeah I mean it's it's kind of not great yeah everything you just said it really sucks I think it's such bullshit. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, some things, like Australia has pledged bigger amount, but their baseline, like what they had before was really shitty. So like there was a lot of room for improvement. I think India has improved some stuff. The war in Ukraine has impacted everything. This year, fossil fuel companies have made record profits. And also COP has been sponsored and visited by and influenced by a lot of fossil fuel companies. That has to be said too. Yeah, I mean, there's some sort of, I think there's some sort of benefit that comes out of this a little bit, but it's just way out of proportion. It reminds me of that film, is it with Leonardo DiCaprio, Don't Look Up? There's an asteroid hurtling towards Earth and like everything's going to be destroyed and everyone's like, oh no, it's going to be fine, we'll think about it later, we've got other things to think about. And that's kind of like with the, recently, with these protests that started with, I think, Van Gogh, the sunflowers, a couple of young climate activists from Just Stop Oil threw some soup over Van Gogh's sunflowers. It wasn't destroyed because there's a protective thing over the front. But everyone was outraged. Yeah, but everyone was outraged about a piece of art being damaged, which, like, love Van Gogh. I really do. I like paintings. But at the end of the day, I'm like... So what if Van Gogh gets destroyed? The Earth is getting destroyed. I don't well, give a fuck about Van Gogh in the long run. Well, exactly, but it's really funny that people just couldn't handle this. I think it was really good publicity, and all publicity for to draw attention to the climate issue is good because nobody is paying attention. Literally, nobody is looking up. And the goal of protest is to draw attention, especially from the masses of indifferent people, who are just like, eh, whatever. Like, they're just not even paying attention to this massive problem. 
it was successful as a protest. I love that in Germany they put Kartoffelbrühe. It's such a German thing. Yeah. Potatoes. Potatoes, of course. But actually, their climate protest, the one with the Van Gogh, drew far more attention and had far more reach than the activist who set himself on fire and died. It's just mind-blowing, actually. The illogical kind of outrage, like, oh, okay, one person can die, it's fine, but you kind of almost not even damaged a painting, and that's terrible. And then there was this conspiracy on the left saying, well, big oil must have funded these people to make climate activists look unhinged. And it's really weird because they're not unhinged. They've got like a solid grasp on reality. Like we are totally fucked. No, I I agree though. They're not unhinged. They are correct. And they're also frustrated, right? Because Fridays for Future has been happening forever. I've been to a few of those Fridays for Future protests. Nobody cares. Nobody's looking. Nobody gives a shit. They're just blah. They fizzled out a bit too. I went to one recently and there was maybe 100, 200 people there. People have stopped caring, and I mean not just, like, everyone. Like, the activists, the newspapers, everything. The media. Yeah, so then people are saying, oh, well, they've got a good message, but they're just going about it all wrong. But everyone has been going about protesting in all the legal ways for all this time, and nobody listens. And I think Egypt is a really good kind of metaphor for this, because what they've done in Egypt, where protest has been banned for basically a decade or something, they kind of bow to some international pressure to allow protesters there because, hello, democracy is a thing and, like, it's part of... People expect in a big political thing like this that people have the right to protest. Fundamental. So what they did is they just made this, like, sectioned-off area somewhere in Egypt near a motorway where nobody would see them. None of the people who are in power, who are at this event, are ever going to see let alone be impacted by or pay attention to anything of these protesters it's really something else so then when people are like well they should have gone about it in a better way and you're like it's exactly like don't look up people are yelling about this and setting themselves on fire and this year like a top nasa scientist got arrested like all really prominent figures and where is the media on this and they don't really care I was thinking about like the the case in Munich where these climate activists were arrested and put into jail without trial for 30 days. And it's like, they're trying to save you. They're trying to draw attention to the fact that the world, like humanity is going to go extinct. And also, isn't there big questions about democracy and German legal process? Because that is like a, what's that film with Tom Cruise where they predict the crime ahead of time? Minority Report. I haven't seen that because I refuse to watch a Tom Cruise film. It's based on a book by Philip K. Dick, who is a great science fiction writer. And I think it's good because it's... I don't know. I think writers have a knack for seeing where the future is and stuff like this and like what the big ethical concerns are. And if it brought it to the mainstream, I think it's kind of fine. I also think Tom Cruise is a top actor. Is he? Yeah. He's really good. I have to admit that I've never seen it. I don't think so. Any movie with Tom Cruise, because I just refuse to watch them. No, I think he's he has his problems as a human being. Mostly probably that he was in Scientology for such a long time, so he's completely unhinged from reality. However, very good actor. Okay. If you watch him in Magnolia and stuff, like, 
He has screen presence, and not everyone has that. And I think there's a reason why he has been in so many films. It's not for nothing. Like, Brad Pitt's kind of empty, whereas Tom Cruise has something dark. I don't know what we're going on to. I don't think anyone has ever liked Brad Pitt for his acting abilities. I think Brad Pitt's entire appeal is his aesthetic, and I think that's where it stopped, because he does not seem to have a personality either. He has a terrible personality, because now the things that happened between him and Angelina Jolie are coming out, where he shook her on a private plane and like was sort of abusive in front of the kids and stuff like that, so... Yeah, Brad Pitt. Like, what's the point of him? The point of him was taking off his top in Thelma and Louise, right? This is what happens when you talk about climate change. It's just so deeply uncomfortable that you'd rather talk about fucking Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt. But back to climate change. Anyway, this came out of, like, talking about legal process and stuff and, like, what are the important discussions about how Germany is running when they just, like, lock people up because they don't want them to protest. It's totally anti-democratic. Also, what happened in Berlin recently, the people from the Letzte Generation, so the last generation, they were doing these protests where they were, you know, blocking the roads and all this kind of stuff. And when they blocked the roads recently, it was hard for an ambulance to sort of reach a biker that had been hit by a truck. And anyway, she died. But what was really interesting about the media coverage is everyone was like, look at those protesters. They slowed down this ambulance and they might have had something to do with this death of this one woman. And you're like, first of all, a truck ran this woman over. Maybe frame it differently and be like, this is the problem of trucks or cars killing cyclists all the time and cyclists are, you know, good for the environment. Plus, literally one third of habitable land in Pakistan was underwater this year. You know, there's drought in Africa plus. Like, the continent is basically on fire if you look at those, like, heat imaging maps and people are dying all the time. And then the media picks up on one story and being like, Climate activists start to blame for maybe this woman dying because they were blocking a road. It's like, hello. Also, it was reported that that was not true. Oh. Yeah, like it... it but now the story is out there and everyone, yeah, yeah, everyone thinks that's, this. That's the narrative now, but it's not true. I read an article where it was like, guys, this is not what happened. Can everyone calm down? But that doesn't matter. It's irrelevant what actually happened. The story is out there now and that is the narrative. I think the impact of climate change cannot be felt yet in the global north to such an extent that it's a problem, right? Like, it's November and it's still really warm. I was walking to the dentist before and I wasn't wearing a jacket because I was so warm. I'm also wearing, like, a really heavy wool sweater, so that might have contributed to it. Not the point. The point is, the effects of climate change that we can feel in the global north are not so extreme yet. It is the poorer countries that did not contribute to this climate catastrophe as heavily as we did who are feeling the effects. And I think at the end of the day, that's why people don't care, because it's not impacting them yet. And they don't care about people in Pakistan drowning. But those countries really do care. I think the prime minister, was it Barbados? Yes, really had a go at COP27. Yeah, and rightly so, because they can feel that injustice. And that's what climate injustice, or climate justice is. It starts from the place of this understanding that climate change does not affect everyone equally. And even though the rich countries have contributed the most to climate change, they're going to feel the effects the least. And it's simply unfair. Yes. And also you've had climate activists in the global south, you know, indigenous climate change activists screaming about this for years and no one's paid attention to them. So there's also the question of who do we give our media attention to? Like, 
we don't pay attention to them and yet someone throws tomato soup onto a Van Gogh and we're all outraged, you know? Like, there's so many injustices taking place here and the failure of everyone to recognize the fact that there's a really good saying in German, which is, do you have tomatoes on your eyes when you can't see something that's right in front of you? And it's like, I want to yell at the entire world, do you have tomatoes on your eyes? That's a funny saying because I would have thought the saying would be, do you have, like, Gurkha on your eyes, like cucumbers? Because cucumbers seems like a way more German thing. Tomatoes, I would give that saying to the Italians. No, sorry. Tomaten auf den Augen. If you're a German and know the origin of this phrase, let me know, because I've never thought about it until now. It's a very strange thing. But the entire world has Tomaten auf den Augen, and they've put those tomatoes there themselves. I feel like I really want to remake this saying to make it more German. Hast du Kartoffeln? Hast du Kartoffeln auf den Augen? Yes. Okay, so it's now officially Kartoffeln. But no, seriously, the entire world has Kartoffeln auf den Augen. And all of these climate change activists, whether they be in the global north or the global south, or whether they're indigenous people, are trying to alert us to the dangers of climate change. And we're not listening because we're such a narcissistic society driven by capitalism that unless we're directly... I was going to say unless we're directly affected, don't give a shit. But that's not even true because... We are being directly affected and still people don't care. So they want to feel better about themselves by, you know, seeing their rich prime ministers fly on a private jet to COP27 funded by Coca-Cola. Like, it's just all such a farce. Yeah, I think it contributes to the illusion that, oh, the people in charge are doing something about this, so it's all fine. But it is greenwashing in a way because it's kind of not all fine and they're not doing much and they're hiding the fact that a lot more needs to be done. So don't trust it. Yeah. I was watching some of the news coverage on Egyptian TV of COP27 and the absolute ass-kissing of Sisi and the propaganda was unbelievable. So they were interviewing the mayor of Sharm el-Sheikh, which is like the Florida of Egypt. It's a holiday resort, actually, yeah. Yeah. And just like he would be talking about it, he'd be like, oh, yes, and our great leader, Sisi, and who was allowed this Sisi. And it was just like, I'm sorry, this country that can't even talk honestly about what its government is and that is holding many political prisoners in inhumane conditions on fake charges is the place that we choose to have a completely serious and legit, apparently, conference about climate change. Like, all of it is such a farce. The country hosting it is a farce. Yeah, they also have very strong uh, links to Saudi Arabia and the oil and stuff like that. The whole area, like, they were showing some of Sharm el-Sheikh, which I get, it's a resort, right? Like, it needs to look beautiful because they want people to come there for vacation. And actually, it is, lives solely on tourism. Like, they have no agriculture, they have nothing else there. But everything just looked so manicured and fake. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense, because this is a manicured and fake conference or summit or whatever it is. Yeah, such a perfect metaphor so all the protesters are out there somewhere, like people trying to like make an impact, the climate activists and other protesters, human rights protesters, which all ties into this, are out there somewhere by the highway. And then there's the elite, you know, sponsored by Coca-Cola, like what a farce. Yeah, like I wouldn't even put it past them to have like fake protests, you know, that aren't too extreme, that fit into their agenda. You know what I mean? Anyway... I know that there are many different schools of thoughts about how we can sort of approach climate change. I was reading this really great Novara Media article, which was saying, okay, there's five different schools of thought of how we can approach it. Read it out. So there's one, 
the inside game, i.e. working within existing structures to achieve the best possible policy outcome. This is what Noam Chomsky has talked about, being like, yes, democracy in this world is a sham and it's shit, but it's what we have right now. So in order to affect change, we have to work within existing structures. Two, we have to mobilize the masses. Third one is personal transformation. The fourth one is structured organization. And five is alternatives. If you look at all of these, right, and these are sort of the five ways laid out by the Amy Institute, which is a nonprofit think tank from Boston. And if you look at all of these, you say, okay, well, COP27 is the inside game and that's not doing anything. That's just a complete farce. Mass mobilization, we did that for about five minutes and then our attention span waned and everyone stopped caring. Personal transformation, it's just like, okay, we can all recycle and like... Uh, But I think personal transformation, we all just need to stop consuming and wake up. Yes. No, no, I think there, I definitely think there's There's something to it. There's power in that. There is power because one, we as consumers have such power because if we stop consuming, then the companies stop making, right? Like this is kind of one of the struggles that I always have when people do all those like tax the oil companies or tax the fossil fuel companies and like raging against the fossil fuel companies. I'm like, you're right. They are the problem. But actually... You're the problem because you're consuming. Fossil fuel companies and oil companies will continue unless we stop consuming. Now, the problem is, of course, that we need alternatives because there are some things that you just can't compromise on, right? Like, you need to be warm. The hospitals need to keep going, so on and so forth, right? I agree, but also, everyone in the richer countries, we are all consuming way beyond everything. We do not need to buy fashion. We do not need to have cars. We can bike everywhere or take the public transport. These are all choices. And it's really important for us to, at least, instead of bitching about everything else, like take control of what we can take control of, which is our own lives and our own habits and really look at it honestly. But people are not, of course. Well, no, because again, like mentioned before, they don't feel the effects of climate change yet, so they don't care. I think people care, but they also just are living their lives, right? And they don't link their life and the effects of their choices to a much broader problem that is already fucking the earth majorly. And this is a link that everyone must hold in their minds. So if you're listening to this, here are three things you can do this week to be a better person. Number one, stop consuming so much. Please get rid of your cars. Please consider maybe not eating meat all the time. We have to go to like zero carbon emissions by 2050 and it's just not going to work unless everyone really radically looks at their life and thinks about how they can help contribute. Thing two, I would say have conversations with those around you and make sure that they really understand the gravity of the situation because clearly... People are not making the link, and we need them to make the link. And thing three, from working within the system, think about who your local mayor is, who your local politicians are. Think about Greenpeace, NGOs, uh, supporting indigenous activists, things like that. Things that you can actually do to campaign for climate justice by taking part in the organizations and the structures that exist already. Thank you for listening. Until next week, goodbye. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 
You can also help us by supporting us on Patreon for as little as four euro a month. Visit patreon.com/misinformed for links to all our sources and for our personal tips on what to watch and read. Subscribe to our weekly newsletter at misinformed.substack.com. You can follow us on Instagram at the underscore miss underscore informed, or email us your feedback, requests, or just to say hi. Misinformed.podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you.